Welcome to Parenting in Acadiana podcast, brought to you by Woman's Foundation. Our goal is to provide you with quality information from local experts to support you in your parenting journey. Welcome to Parenting in Acadiana podcast, uh, hosted by Woman's Foundation. Today with us, we have Celeste Finney. She is the Nutrition Program Coordinator for Child Nutrition Services for the Lafayette Parish School System. So welcome, Celeste. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, we're excited, too. One of the reasons why we invited you um, to chat with us here today is uh, we know that you're a registered uh, dietitian by trade, so you get to use and apply all of that great knowledge. But we really thought that parents in Lafayette Parish would really like to know and understand, or it'd be beneficial for parents in Acadiana to know how you guys plan out school lunches, uh, maybe some of the nutrition factors of school lunches, because I knew that you guys work really hard. And I'm focusing on lunch, but I guess we should talk about breakfast too. But tell me a little bit about your process, Um, you know, what, what parents should know about how you guys decide what kind of food gets put on the plate. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a complicated process, but uh, I'm happy to explain it. Every part of our program is actually governed by USDA. So we are managing a federal program here on the local level. And let's see, the history of the program is back in the 40s, the program was started as a means to combat malnutrition. That was the public health crisis of the time. And so really those old guidelines kind of stayed where we were managing school lunches to meet a minimum calorie levels, you know, making sure that children across the country had access to healthy meals. And as we got into, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, now obesity is a major is our major health crisis of modern times. And so uh, the 2010 Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act was a way to revamp the program in order to align our standards with the USDA Dietary Guidelines for Americans. So now all of our program has to not only meet a minimum calorie requirement, but we also can't exceed a maximum. We're also meeting subgroups of different vegetables, Uh, Versus just having a vegetable, now we have to have dark green vegetables, so many red-orange per week, so many dry beans per week. So all of these are now taken into into account when we're planning our menu. And so we have all these guidelines in place, and we plan them by the week. So each week has to meet a calorie level per age group. So we're planning a K through 5th grade menu, a middle school menu, and a high school menu. So our menus, really, it comes down to where we change our portion sizes is really how we kind of keep it consistent across the district. But with these guidelines, we now are having more whole grains. We have a sodium restriction, so we're not allowed to just put salt on everything (laughs) the way we might uh, season our food at home. So um, all of these standards that are now uh, intact since the 2010 Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act 
are really a means to get, uh, you know, our captive audience of K through 12 school children across the United States to really have access to healthier, quality nutrition, uh, healthy meals. So any school that um, participates in the program has to meet these guidelines, like I've mentioned. So it might vary from school district to school district, like the menu for Vermilion Parish versus Lafayette Parish versus Acadia Parish. All of the food being served might be different, but they're all meeting the same standards. Yes, exactly right. And um, which is a great thing because, you know, here in South Louisiana, our menu is going to be very different from what you may find in Minnesota, for example. You know, we have... Fortunately, we have a ton of scratch cooking, so we have a ton of uh, flexibility with how we're preparing our meals. We can do red beans and rice and jambalaya and gumbo, all of these regional favorites that aren't going anywhere. That's what our students like to eat. They love the rice and gravy, and, and so it's really, you know, from our end in the Chan Nutrition office, it's... It's enjoyable to try to take these these menu items that we know the students like and that are going to enjoy, and then we can marry that with the guidelines. So it's been a, a road, a long road, I guess you could say, where, you know, when we first started putting brown rice instead of white rice, for example, that's something a lot of students weren't used to. But now, after several years of um, implementing the changes, I think it's becoming more and more the norm and so we've had more acceptability at the past couple years because of that. So, And we do our best to season them as best we can without adding sodium, uh, you know, providing a good variety of fresh fruits and vegetables and exposing students to that. So, yeah, so our menu across the board meets all the standards just like any other child nutrition program will. Awesome. Um, so you had mentioned that there's never a dull moment in child nutrition yes. services. So tell me some, about some of the things that you guys have to juggle or balance or, you know, something that might disrupt the day. Yeah, well, it's really, it's interesting when you think about it because we're actually menu planning about a year out. Oh, wow. So right now uh, we're working on bids for next year that would start July 1 of 18 and bring us into it's hard to believe 2019 is mm-hmm. already around the corner. So we're looking at our menu for next year. So every October, November, we have a good idea of our budget from USDA of what we can, what's allocated to us to spend on USDA food items. So we're planning that accordingly. We're trying to to be as smart as we can with our dollars and where we're going to spend those funds and you know, we have a good idea about menu planning as far as how to have a good balance of items that aren't going anywhere, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So we know hamburgers and items like chicken nuggets and pizza. So we're, we're looking at, you know, the best quality items that can still offer us a whole grain are still um, going to be made with low-fat cheese and a a low-sodium tomato sauce, a whole-grain crust, all of those things so that we can meet the standards. And then we go in and kind of fill in the gaps with our regional favorites, like I mentioned, that we make from scratch. And so it really allows us a really nice mix that also um, keeps us within the calorie levels 
and the sodium requirements of the the menu plan itself. It's so funny to think of it, like my kids go to school and they eat lunch at school and I don't think twice yeah. about <laughs> I know. Well, that's great. I mean, what drives our entire operation is having the students participate with us. So that's that's huge hugely important to us. We want the kids to eat with us. We want them to enjoy the meals. So we're working, you know, behind the scenes as best we can to analyze what's working, what's not working. Okay, we brought in this item and the kids don't seem to like it or the staff is having trouble getting it to come out consistent, whatever the case may be. So we're constantly tweaking it behind the scenes because our end goal is to have the students participate with us. And what's so great about, you know, getting to speak with you and parents in Acadiana today is is so that we can bring some knowledge to what goes on behind it. You know, we have uh, in our staff, we have two registered dietitians. Um, we have an amazing staff that's seasoned they've been doing this they know what works they know how to work with recipes and get get the best out of our staff to to have a a great product every day so we're very lucky to have you know such an experienced team working on our menu and also we know that you know when when this issue has been studied and believe me it has um it it consistently shows that students who eat a school lunch or school breakfast actually get a better uh, nutrition profile than if they were to bring a lunch from home or a breakfast from home. So, of course, there's there's uh, exceptions to the rule everywhere. I'm sure there's some parents that are very skilled at packing their child's lunch and do a great job of including fruits and vegetables and and making sure it's safe, that it's staying cold or it's staying hot until they're ready to eat lunch. But that's something that we can do in-house. So we absolutely want to share all of the background so that the parents have uh, all the information to make the best choice for their student Yeah, yeah. or so their child. You had mentioned research. So mm-hmm. I, get, I think that's a really good time to talk about this study because what you just said is very recent. I know that you brought a, a, a study here to just to talk about and let parents know that those facts really just came out in March of 2018. Yeah, yeah I know. It's and, and it's been studied. They've they've, you know, researchers from from all over the US have been studying school lunch and the efficacy of the program and how we're reaching children and how it's impacting health and nutrition. But this was so interesting is as I'm preparing for today, I, it dawned on me last month, I actually saw an article that was published in the journal of uh, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. So March of 2018, a study was conducted where eating school meals daily is associated with healthier dietary intakes. So they found that Students who ate school breakfast and school lunch every day actually consumed more fruits and vegetables, dietary fiber, whole grains, dairy, and calcium versus students who ate zero to four times per week versus students who ate five times a week. So that's that's a huge win for us because we, we know this from the child nutrition standpoint, the professional standpoint. We, we have a ton of faith knowing that we're following the guidelines, everything is is in check on our end, but it's great to see the research actually show mm-hmm. what we know. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. that's very exciting to share that. 
Yeah, that's wonderful. Do you participate in the, I think it's a Master Gardeners program through yes. LSU Ag Center. I think yes. that is such a great program. So if you could share a little bit. Oh, about- yeah, I would love to. I, that's, I, I'm so passionate about it, and I'm, I just feel so blessed to get to do that as part of my job. I'm like, wow, how did I, <laughs> how did I get into this? This is awesome. So um, the Child Nutrition Program, we've actually partnered with LSU Master Gardeners and the LSU Ag Center, they have a program called the School Garden Initiative. So currently we have nine schools throughout the parish that participate in the program. And these schools, it's actually a teacher who writes the grant. The, the Really the only qualification of the grant is that they tie the garden as an outdoor laboratory to their curriculum. So we have everything from first grade to we have a fifth grade classroom that studies the Magna Carta mm-hmm. and Columbus era. So they, I'm, I'm not a history person, so <laughs> <laughs> forgive me, all the fifth grade teachers yeah. listening, but they actually grow colonial type herbs and oh, cool. medicinal plants and study that in their classroom. So these students who participate in the School Garden Initiative, we have partnered up to where I go to the nine schools and teach a my plate nutrition lesson. So we start with what do plants need to grow? Okay, everybody knows that. Well, let's transfer that into what do people need to grow? And we talk about the importance of eating fruits and vegetables, eating whole grains, eating a plant-based diet, uh, and how important that is to start while you're young. So the students have that experience, which because they're gardening, they're already interested. So I can mm-hmm. tell you as a dietitian, there's a huge difference in teaching a, a group of students who garden versus a group of students who do not. Mm-hmm. So that's already really fun mm-hmm. for me. Then the students in January are, are teamed up with a local chef, and they're challenged to take two items from their school garden and create their own My Plate meal. And so we we get those students and the chefs, their teams, to participate in a cook-off. And so it's on a Cuisine du Jardin, which translates to we cook from the garden. So apologize for my French there. But <laughs> anyway, so the students participate in the School Garden Initiative cook-off. We, had, we just had our, um, our fourth annual cook-off mm-hmm. this January, where we were so excited. Alice Boucher's second grade Spanish immersion class won the cook-off and so they did a great job of incorporating their meal with you know what they're learning in Spanish immersion they had an awesome tostada with a barbecue chicken a black bean and corn salsa a fruit salad with fresh oranges from trees at school and so we take that winning meal each year and put it on our menu district-wide in October for National Farm to School Month and National School Lunch Week. And it's been a huge success. It's so fun to see the kids uh, get involved. I can tell you, um, last year, actually, I completed my master's in nutrition and dietetics uh, through Louisiana Tech University, and I used the program as my thesis work. And I, you know, what again, what I already knew Mm -hmm. that this program was Mm -hmm. impacting student behavior, which is huge. You know, Mm -hmm. there's lots of things we could do. We could pass out stickers because a student tried something, but what's really going to move the needle and actually change behavior 
is classroom curriculum-based gardening with nutrition education. And so this program, when we compared it to a control site that did not participate in the program, fourth graders between the school garden site and the non-school garden site, we found significant differences across the board that those students who garden liked every subgroup of vegetables, dark greens, red orange, dry beans. So it was consistent across the board. And we've heard that from parents. You know, my student before fourth grade at Charles Burke Elementary, my child never ate spinach and they they didn't like any vegetables and they were such a picky eater. And now they're, they've gotten the whole family involved in making sure that we have a vegetable at each meal. We're gardening as a family. So I just think it's a, it's an amazing program. I love getting to share about it. It's really, it's really exciting to know that we're, we're making an impact on health and on the whole family in that way. So that's, that's, uh, that's always good news. I love talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, I'll give a shameless plug to Women's Foundation, yeah. but we're a sponsor of that yes. program because of like everything you just said, we really believe in health and nutrition and making healthy choices. And this was a, just a no brainer, you know, yeah. to, to bring, to teach the kids how to grow their own food and get them involved in the process so that they're more excited. Uh, you know, it just makes so much sense. Yeah. And there's something about having you know, the culture of the classroom, mm-hmm. having the teacher, you know, we have an amazing teacher, uh, Miss Richard is at Charles Burke, who she does a great job. She has um, a four bite rule where the students have to take four bites of everything before they can talk. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, cause one child saying, oh, this is yes. gross. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It totally, uh, you know, puts a damper on the whole experience. So she's, she figured a way to say, okay, the first bite, we're really tasting. The second bite, we're getting a feel for the texture. The third bite, we're, you know, we're getting used to it. So by the fourth bite, you can kind of get the whole experience. And sure enough, consistently every year, her students love their mustard greens, Oh, wow. It's so funny because yeah. you're like, okay, where else can we find a school where fourth grade likes mustard greens? But, I mean, that's a that's a testament to the success of the program, you know. So, um, and really when, when I came on board, I thought, okay, nutrition education, what, what is my job? What do I do here? And that's kind of how it evolved is, is through research and finding – okay, this is the one way that consistently gets kids to eat their fruits and vegetables. And it's a, it's a win-win for our program because with the 2010 Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act, we're mandated. We have to serve so many fruits and vegetables every day for breakfast and for lunch. So if we're going to serve it, we absolutely want the kids to at least eat some of it, enjoy it. We don't want to feed the trash can, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So it works for us, too, because we know that we're we're making an impact where, okay, if, if all this is available and we're going to put it on your tray anyway, we want you to at least take advantage of it. So, so yeah, it's been, a, it's been an awesome experience to be a part of it. 
That's great. So I'm, I'm really curious. I don't know if, if this is something that you can even talk about, but where, where do you guys get your fresh fruits and vegetables? Do you partner with local farmers or do you have major distributors that come in? I yeah, that's curious. a great question. Um, so this is something that's kind of new um, for Louisiana for uh, farm, you know, the, the quote mm-hmm. unquote term is farm to school. Um, and so really the past year we've been working hard in the child nutrition office with our team to address our procurement and how how we go about purchasing fresh fruits and vegetables. It's not quite as easy as you would think. Um, Really, we have such a large volume. Mm -hmm. We're serving each day, believe it or not, we serve about uh, 10,000 breakfasts and about 20,000 lunches. So it's it's a huge operation to get everything that we need not to mention we have to have the components mm-hmm. that we say on the menu in order for us to be reimbursable with our USDA mm-hmm. uh, standards. So with that being said, right now uh, our produce bid goes out once a month. So typically Capital City is who mm-hmm. who bids on our produce, and so they distribute to each school. And we are working on a pilot to get some uh, some local items or make it easier for local players to get in so that it's not an all or nothing. Okay, maybe we can do lettuce, for example, at a couple of schools, and maybe we can do tomatoes uh, at a couple of schools. And so we're, we're looking to pilot that. Hopefully next fall we'll be able to do that. So, But it's a whole new territory. You know, yeah. we, we've got, because we're, we're dealing with federal dollars, there's a ton of... Regulations. Regulations. Thank you. Yeah. A ton of regulations that we we have to do the best job that we can do to make sure that we're complying with everything. Mm-hmm. We're following the rules, you know, so it is uh, it's a slow process, but hopefully, hey, once we get it going, we'll be able to run with it. That's great. Yeah. I know that there's probably a lot of local people who are excited about that opportunity or, you know, maybe even to see the you know, the local farmers. Yeah, no. And I mean, we would love to, um, you know, we have so many, no pun intended, but low hanging fruit, if you will, (laughs) you know, we're a huge grower of rice in this region. So little things like if we could put a local rice on our menu and then tie that in, like, Hey guys, you know, this rice was grown in Crowley, Louisiana, or these sweet potatoes were grown in new Iberia. And so we love having the opportunity to kind of make that connection with the students from where their food's actually coming from. I think that's been missing for quite a while. So that is absolutely a direction we want to, we want to move towards. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So what is the, what's the lunch meal pattern? Do okay. we want to talk about that? Sure. So this is kind of what I mentioned at the beginning with syncing our program with the USDA dietary guidelines for Americans. You'd think, you know, all of these these research-based groups with our government would talk to each other, but it, it just takes, it's a big, it's a big ball to get rolling. So mm-hmm. finally, after the 2010 Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act, we're, we're headed in that direction to where our menus can really address um, obesity mm-hmm. as a public health crisis. So what the, the new meal patterns are based upon each grade, or I'm sorry, grade levels. So we have K through five, six through eight, and nine through 12. And then most recently, just this October, our pre-K 
meal pattern guidelines, which is a different meal pattern that was actually revamped as well. So now for pre-K, for example, we are only allowed to offer white milk. So there's no flavored milk for pre-K. So there was a learning curve at some of our, some of our pre-K sites where I'm sure, uh, you know, not having the option for strawberry chocolate milk was a, was a huge, um, let down, but you know, it's really addressing, um, added sugar, excess sugar in those early childhood years. So that's, that's also a different menu plan that's been revamped, but back to school lunch for K through 12, we have to offer a half cup of fruit every day. What's new with the guidelines is we also have to offer a whole cup of fruit every day at breakfast. So that was something that's new. Also, with vegetables, you know, it used to be, okay, we, we're offering a half cup of vegetables every week. That's great. So French fries is the vegetables and you name it was counted a vegetable. Now we have to actually offer subgroups. So dark green is a subgroup, red, orange, beans and peas, or a dark, uh, I'm sorry, a dry bean, um, starchy vegetable, and then other vegetable, which would be like an iceberg lettuce, a cucumber, okra, that would be like an other. Um, our grains um, have to be whole grain. So with the um, new administration and the White House, um, this past summer, they did allow some leniency for the whole grains. Um, so we are able to, to do a waiver. So if we find that uh, there's poor acceptability of um, our hamburger bun, for example, is one thing that um, as long as our menu is over 50% whole grain, we are allowed some leeway to make changes and have an enriched white grain. So one of our exceptions is um, the hamburger bun that we offer is now a white bun, enriched white uh, bun. But our whole grain, uh, we still have our whole grain for uh, brown rice. We still have our whole grain spaghetti and pasta. So uh, our dinner rolls that we make from scratch are still a whole grain flour. So not much has changed there. Um, we offer our meat meat alternates every day is another component and then our fluid milk. So so yeah, that's pretty much the meal pattern requirement. The main thing that changed also is that now over a weekly average, we have a calorie minimum and a maximum. So it's a very tight range that we have to meet per age group, as well as, you know, we have a limit on saturated fat and we have a limit on sodium. And sodium is a tough one. The original Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act had three tiers of sodium restriction with the last one being, I believe in 2022. So again, this administration has offered some flexibility where uh, we're able to stay at level one, which is much easier for us um, to procure items that are low salt that still meet the guidelines and are still palatable. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big challenge for child nutrition programs. Um, As a dietitian, I love knowing that our meals are nutritionally superior and, you know, it's whole grains and it's fruit and vegetables. Realistically, however, many students don't eat that way at home or they may not have Mm -hmm. access to foods like that at home. So it's important that we kind of marry the two 
We still want it to taste good, obviously, you know, so salt is a natural part of that. So right now we, we do have way less salt than what you would find, um, elsewhere at a fast food restaurant or eating out, but, um, it, it doesn't look like at this point it'll get much stricter for the time being. So who knows that could change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much, Celeste. If a parent has questions or they want um, more information, I know LPSS has a website. Uh, yes. Do you guys, you know, you post the menu? Do you have like... We do, yeah. The April, we post those every month on our menu. And we have gone paperless this year. We had a couple questions about we don't get the printed menus anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that was a a hard call for us to make as a department. So we're hoping to utilize more and more online capabilities in order to get that information to the parents. But uh, as of now, they're posted online every month. Um, If, you know, we also have a Facebook page, you can check that out. Oh, that's great. Um, And then my name is on the website, Celeste Finney. Anyone's welcome to call me or email me. Uh, I also manage Smart Snacks, which we didn't really talk about. Um, that's that's also under the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids umbrella. So that rule um, manages any food or beverage that's offered during the school day that's outside of the breakfast and lunch program. So we know the breakfast and lunch program have strict requirements, as Mm -hmm. I just mentioned, but anything else um, that's offered on campus during the day has to meet a nutrition guideline. So that would be birthday parties or celebrations, anything like that. So I do, you know, any questions like that, I'll welcome that. If you have questions, you can feel free to call me. And links to frequently asked questions are on our website about Smart Snacks as well. But yeah, anybody's welcome to call me. That's what I'm here for. That is perfect. Okay, so to wrap up, this is what I really like to do. I'd like to ask uh, the guests to... If there's one thing that you want parents to know about the school nutrition program, what's the one takeaway you really want people to to listen to to this podcast and walk away with? Okay, gosh, there's so much I like to say, you know. One thing I, I would love to just share is that, you know, we're fortunate where 35 out of our 41 schools are actually part of CEP which is community eligibility provision. So all students at those 35 sites are able to receive meals for free, free of charge. So breakfast, lunch, totally free just by being enrolled. The remaining six sites um, are still traditional meal benefit applications. So you can still turn in an application based on family income to receive meal benefits. But especially for the 35 schools, if your child is enrolled uh, at a school that participates in CEP, then I would encourage you to encourage your child to try school meals. I think it's a great opportunity, especially if you have a picky eater. Mm-hmm. They're surrounded by their peers. It's a great way for them to just be exposed to different foods, to try new things, to, to kind of take away, you know, oh, I tried a different fruit today or I tried a different vegetable that maybe you you may not have on your menu at home. So I think it's just, it's a good opportunity to kind of expand uh, your little one's horizon, so to speak. Yeah, that I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. In fact, uh, my first child, we 
at first, because we were parents and this is our first one, we would send him to to school every day with his lunch and eventually it just stopped. I didn't have mm-hmm. enough time in the morning and he really has tried all kinds of things. It it helped him through school lunch. Through school lunch. It yeah. helped him try things that we weren't cooking at home. There right. were there were and it's traditional stuff. Like I had never made a meatloaf. I just don't know how to right. do that. <laughs> that was one understandable. Of, one of his favorite things because he had it at school. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, it's a great program. The food is delicious. You know, the kids, they'll taste, they'll at least try. And um, if they don't like it the first time, they might like it the second time. And Right, and we have an amazing staff. You know, we have, oh, uh, I guess, around 300 employees district-wide that work with Child Nutrition. And, you know, a lot of our uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a mm-hmm. few gentlemen in there, um, they do a great job of really, you know, they they go to work each day to make sure that the students get what they need, and they're they're very nurturing in that way. So we're we're here to serve the families in Lafayette Parish, make it easier, life a little easier for the parent who's rushing out the door with a million things on their mind. So, um, yeah, if you if you have any questions about that, if there's anything we can do for you, by all means, let us know. All right. Thank you so much, Celeste. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. It's available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher.